Welcome to Full Life FM. I'm your host, Emily Tim. I'm a registered dietitian, content creator, and feminist on a mission to help women live their fullest lives. I've worked with thousands of women with PCOS and other endocrine conditions to optimize metabolic, reproductive, and mental health. I'm passionate about approachable, evidence-based nutrition, intentional living, and the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. Each week, we'll bring you new episodes and guest interviews to inspire, empower, and educate on what it really means to be healthy. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review. And if you're ready to do health together, I'd love to have you in my membership community, the Full Life Society. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. everybody. Welcome to the design masterclass. All right, we are now live. Sorry that I'm a few minutes behind. I was trying to go out live on my phone and it just was not allowing me. So we are here now. I'm excited. I like to go live on my phone because there's not as much background, but that's okay. We will, we will, we will do what we can. So let me know if you are here live. Let me know as well if you are on the replay. In my programs, um, anytime we're doing a live call, or even if you're on replay, as much as you can interact with the content, so what, what does that mean? If, if I'm saying something and it's landing for you, type it in the chat box. If you resonate with something, let me know in the chat box. If there are any emotions coming up for you, let me know in the chat box. So interact with the content as much as possible, and you'll have such a better experience. You'll get a lot more out of it than just listening. This is such a special masterclass. I can't even believe I'm here doing this masterclass. I wasn't planning on doing a free masterclass at this time, but I got this idea last week and I could not ignore it. It felt like I needed to be here. It felt like this was the topic that I was meant to talk about this week. and. I, I just had like a little, it was like a little, you know, a little beam coming down. You need to talk about lifestyle design. <laughs> little beam coming down. It needs to be five days. And so here we are. I don't see anyone on live yet, but sometimes that doesn't always work for me on my computer. So I'm going to double check in the Facebook group and then we're just going to get started. We have over 250 people signed up for this masterclass. So I'm expecting we will have more people popping into the group throughout the week. So we will welcome them. Can, um, if you're on live, can you say hello? I see a few people watching on my phone, which I can't see on my computer. That's why I wanted to go live on my phone, but it's okay. Um, but let me know if you are on live and say hello. I'm not going to be doing, usually in my programs, if you're on live, I'll do a giveaway. We're not going to do that in this masterclass because there's just so much going on already and you're, you're going to see what I, what I mean. So let me know if you are on live. I see a few, a few eyeballs. Sometimes the comments haven't been working on Facebook Live, which is very irritating. So I'd love to know if they're working. Yay, Charlene. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for letting me know. Yay. Okay. I love that we have five people on. Awesome. So we have some people trickling in. I was saying when I first hopped on that I had an issue with my phone, so that's why we're starting a little bit later today. That's that's going to be okay. I'm going to have a sip of my coffee and then we're going to begin. So I want to first and foremost welcome you to this group. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited. I really didn't even do much planning. The last time I did a free masterclass, I talked about it for a few weeks. With this one, we're just diving in because it really, again, was such a strong signal that this is what I needed to be doing and I needed to be doing it this week. This has been an idea on my mind so much lately. This is a very innovative idea and it's a very innovative way of looking at health and this is the type of thing that changes your life. If you let it, this week will change your life. That's how strongly I believe in this topic, and I know you're going to get so much value from what we're about to do here today. 
So I'm going to go ahead and dive in. I see quite a few people on live. Again, I'm not sure if I'm getting all of the comments, so I'm not going to get too caught up in that because I don't want to, I don't want to waste any time. Um, but again, inter interact with the content. Let, let me know that, that things are landing because um, I really do like to be able to read comments in real time. And if this keeps happening with Facebook, we will find another platform. I feel like I need to like not be wearing a jacket right now. Okay. So over the weekend, I was visiting with my grandma. I call her granny. And she is my father's mother. We have a lot of divorce in our family. So two sets of my grandparents are divorced. Um, or I should say my one set of my grandparents is divorced and then they're remarried. And then with my mom, um, we experienced, uh, like her, her father died a long, long time ago. So I have a lot of grandparents. <laughs> I have six grandparents. And I was visiting with my grandmother this past weekend. She's 85 years old. Um, she lives independently. And she is one of the coolest people that I know. And such a picture of health. So my grandma's 85 years old and she she walks around wearing like five inch heels wherever she goes. Um, we went to a bridal shower on Saturday and um, I, don't, I don't like, I feel like I need to be able to move. We went to a bridal shower on Saturday and my grandmother wore black leather pants, um, black heeled wedges, uh, a, a black blazer and like this blue top with like a black leather handbag with like fringe on it. She's 85 and she was the best dressed person there. She's also always cared a lot about health. I think her influence was one of the reasons that I was that I've been so interested in health my whole life because she always had just a special interest in health and food and nutrition and and longevity. My grandma never wanted to get old and she has never gotten old. <laughs> it's like the woman never ages. And so I was at her house and about a year ago, her and my grandfather moved from, um, they were living independently in a large home and they moved into, um, it's basically like a continuum of care. So there's an, ind there's independent living, there's assisted living, there's a nursing home, there's a nursing, you know, nursing facility. And my grandfather has Parkinson's. And they moved to this home about a year ago and they planned it, the, like the two of them planned it and, and they were very excited to kind of begin a new chapter and meet new people. And when they moved, my grandfather's Parkinson's escalated very quickly. He ended up in a nursing facility and now my grandmother lives alone in the house and he's never actually been inside. So the past year has been kind of a grieving process for my grandmother. Because even though her husband is still alive, he is not alive in the way that she knows him to be alive. And so it's really, I mean, they, they've, been, they've been married for, I think, around 30 years, still madly in love. And this has been really, really hard on her. And when I got to her home, this was the first time I was staying with her, you know, by myself. And there were still boxes in the living room, like moving boxes. And I think she just, you know, and these particular items were things that I just think she couldn't bring herself to unbox because I think there was a certain amount of coming to terms with what was happening and not wanting to really feel like you're moving in and feel like you're settling in because you don't want to settle into this new reality, but this is the new reality. And so as I was unboxing some of these items, there were all sorts of things. There were, there was a, a silver mirror from her, her grandmother um, with the initials um, BR on it. Um, and the R stands for Rose, which is my, my eldest daughter's middle name. And there were like 
awards from my grandmother and just photos from all different time periods. And then there was one box and I opened it. And this box was just basically a time capsule of the wellness industry. There were about 30 different kind of cookbooks and wellness books in this box, just ranging from like all different points in time. It was fascinating. So there were cookbooks that were 60 years old, and then there were um, cookbooks, you know, from the 90s, like the South Beach diet. And then there, there were books about superfoods and books about, you know, soups, soups for anti-aging and books about um, vegetarian health and just all of these different cookbooks from different periods. And my grandmother doesn't really throw much away. So this was just so interesting to see. And here's the thing. My grandmother is a picture of health, knock on wood. She has no chronic health conditions. She's never struggled with her weight. She was skiing until the age of 82 and <laughs> um, has flawless skin. I mean, I could go on. She's just incredible for, for who she is. The thing is, it's never been about the books, right? Like it's never been about the books. It's never been about the different diets that have spanned history. It's always been about us. And one thing that my grandmother said to me this weekend that I just thought was really relevant and that I wanted to share in this masterclass. She said to me, stress does a number on people. She's like, I've, she said, I've always been a relaxed person, never been anxious. And when we moved a year ago, she's like, it, it was really hard. She's like, everything is different. She's like, I am stressed. She's like, I've taken on stress. And she's like, as a result, well, this isn't her words, but she says as a result of the stress, she thinks that that's what landed my grandfather in the nursing home, maybe sooner than he would have otherwise. And she thinks that's why she's struggling a bit mentally to process all of this and take action where she previously would never struggle with that. And she said to me, she's like, never get stressed. She's like, just never get stressed. She's like, it's the biggest thing when it comes to health, to health. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. We are going to talk about what the new paradigm of health is and how to actually get healthy in a sustainable way. I'd love to hear from you in the comments. What brought you here? I'd also love to hear from you what motivates you to be healthy. And if you've had a hard time sustaining health change, why do you think that is? So share any insights that you have. Um, again, I'm not sure if I'm getting all of the comments in real time, but that's okay. I'll always, I can read them later as well. But share, share anything that you'd like to, because I'm not seeing them. So I'm assuming, you know, we have 10 people on live. I'm assuming somebody's saying something. Um, but I will read them later. I wish I could read them now. The traditional health model has been disease prevention through solutions designed for populations. I think I'm gonna say that again. The traditional health model has been interventions for disease prevention designed for populations. So, there's this kind of image. I'm going to see if I can show it to you. I should have shared my screen, but there's this image where on the left-hand side we have disease, in the middle we have at risk, and then on the right we have normal. So it kind of looks like, like this. It's a spectrum. And the, the typical health model has only addressed people that are either diseased or at risk for disease. So this is a very reactive way of thinking about health and managing health. And the key challenge here is really about the implementation of healthy daily actions towards your desired health state. So even in the traditional health model where we're focused on managing disease and treatment and reducing risk, 
the the biggest challenge for that is not figuring out what we need to what we need to do. A lot of the time we know what we need to do. You know, maybe we don't know every single detail, but we know the majority of what we need to do. But then why is there such this there's this huge gap between what we know we need to do and what we're actually doing? Why do we have that gap? Why do people struggle with implementation? Why do you struggle with implementation? Why do I struggle with implementation? We can struggle with implementation for so many reasons. But these everyday actions that we choose to take towards health, towards our desired outcomes, are what create our lifestyle. So on my Instagram page, I say that I'm a PCOS dietitian and I work with women on optimizing nutrition and lifestyle. Nutrition is what to eat, how to eat it, and everything in between. Nutrition is what we put in our bodies. But if we can't figure out how to make space for nutrition and how to implement in a way that feels natural and organic to us, then we totally are dropping the ball on the lifestyle piece and therefore we're not really experiencing the full spectrum of health benefits that we could be experiencing from a healthy lifestyle. This is the thing that I'm most passionate about when it comes to working with women with PCOS because most women with PCOS have been around the block. You know, most of you know the various eating patterns that exist for PCOS management. You do. You go and you're, you're capable women. You find information. You know the information. It's not about the information. It's about the implementation. Sometimes we don't want to hear this message because our ego has a response to it. And so if you're having that response, just know that it's normal. But sometimes our ego will say, well, how could it possibly be about implementation? Because <laughs> I don't have any problems with that. How could it possibly be about implementation? Because I am a strong, independent, successful woman. I don't have any problems with that, right? Like we kind of take on this aura of like, I am just going to tune out to the tune out from this right now, because I know it's not about what I'm doing. It's about the information coming in. So I'm laughing because like I've had this reaction too to various things in my life. So just notice if that's coming up for you. We don't want to face the music sometimes of the fact that implementation is where the magic of sustainability comes to play. So I encourage you in this masterclass, shake off your ego, quiet your ego, let it go a bit, and be open to the idea that maybe it is about finding the sustainable ways of doing the things. Maybe it is that simple and that complicated all at once. So when we're thinking about these everyday actions that comprise our lifestyle, there's four, four main categories that I like to think about. Eating, sleeping, moving, and mental preoccupations. So that's a fancy way of saying that mindset, the headspace. So what are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you moving? And what's going on in your head? Those are kind of the major domains that comprise our lifestyle. And I've said this earlier, but I want to repeat it, which is that there is this obvious glaring gap between what we want and how we're executing to achieve this sustainable method for the desired lifestyle that we want to live. We know in our brains and in our hearts and in our bodies kind of intuitively, maybe you know, maybe you don't, let me know. I think we know what we would want our healthy lifestyle to look like and feel like, but it also feels kind of far away sometimes. And this isn't our fault. It's really not. This idea of lifestyle design is, believe it or not, a very new idea in the health space. When I went to research for this talk, for this masterclass, this experience, and I'm, you know, looking for review articles and research papers on lifestyle design, there were not that many that came up. The ones that came up were fantastic, but like when it comes to PCOS, we have, you know, thousands upon thousands of papers and lifestyle design is really portrayed as this very innovative way of addressing this disparity that we see in 
we have all of this information, but why aren't people doing it? And so the biggest foundational theory right now in the field of lifestyle design is that in order to effectively create change in our own lives in a way that feels sustainable and, and good to us, like it has to feel like it's ours for us to do it sustainably. The catalysts for that are our own motivation and our own joy. So in order to create solutions that are actually going to work, we need to know why it is we want to do this, do the thing. Why do we want to be healthy? And not just kind of like that surface level, like I want to manage PCOS, but like, no, why do you really want to do this? Because that commitment to health is more than just checking off that you're managing symptoms. That is the old paradigm of healthcare, but that paradigm isn't working for us. It's not enough to be motivated by these external factors. We need to tap into what's in here so that it's not just about performing. It becomes about, it becomes about our, it becomes about our, it, it becomes our purpose. So sustainability is found in making the best use of our own motivation and our own joy. So during this first welcome session, there's a, there's many purposes <laughs> for this first welcome session. Purpose number one is I want to introduce you to the lifestyle design model by talking a little, by talking about the details of motivation and joy. I also want to introduce you to what we're going to be doing here during this masterclass. And what else? I think that's I think that's a nice a nice summary. So session one here today, I'm going to introduce you to how we go about or the factors to consider when it comes to lifestyle design and and lifestyle design that actually works. Over the next few days, I am going to be at the end of this session. This is all of your names. I'm going to be drawing three names from this bowl. Throughout this week, I am going to have private coaching sessions with three people. These sessions will either be done live on Zoom, where everybody can observe. If that makes you uncomfortable, you'll have instead, if you don't want to do it live in front of other people, which I would understand, some people don't care. Like if that's like, eh, I, don't, I don't care, I want to do that, then, then great. But if they're like, oh my God, that sounds really horrible. I do not want to have, you know, other people watching while I'm having a more intimate conversation, then you and I would have the conversation privately and I would report it. But I'm going to be sharing three conversations, three private conversations where they're basically private coaching conversations. Where we're going to be talking about lifestyle design in the context of your life. And by sharing that with other people, you're going to be offering insights that they can take into their own lives, but you're going to be doing something much greater, which is that you're going to be showing other people that they're not alone and that we're so much more similar than we are different and that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. If you're struggling to make this part of your life in a consistent way, we are human. So this is kind of interesting, right? never done anything like this before. Let me know what you think. And again, I'm sorry I'm not reading comments. I'm just not able to see them right now, but I will. Oh, I see some. Okay, cool. Yeah, I see Charlene. I'm going to check in with the comments real quick. I'm an emotional and stress eater. I have a lot of anxiety that fuels it. Thank you for sharing that. Veronica, I was diagnosed with PCOS in 2018 and I have been looking for a way to manage it. And as you said, stress plays a big part in it for me, especially now. I've noticed that since my stress levels went up, I've gained weight. Yes, thank you for sharing that. Aubrey, um, I have PCOS and Hashimoto's and I'm struggling with my weight, inflammation, energy. Yes, thank you guys for sharing all of this. So through this experience of showing private coaching conversations with you, you're going to start to tap into what this looks like to get precise with lifestyle design. 
And on Friday, we're gonna sum we're gonna sum summarize and wrap up this week with a really fun session, interesting session. Um, I think I'm gonna tell you what that session is called at the end of this conversation, but it's basically gonna be a session on how to start like it's a workshop, I think is what I want to call it. It's going to be a workshop on how to how to actually tap in to your own intrinsic motivation and joy. And basically, I guess I'll tell you what it is now. I don't care. Um, but it's going to be a motivation, a motivation and joy mapping session so that you will leave this masterclass with your, a plan that you've created for how to do this thing in a sustainable way that actually fits you and your personality and your life. I just got like full body chills. Um, I've never done an experience like this. It's kind of creepy to me, like how every single part of this experience has, has like unfolded in like perfect timing. It's very bizarre, but I think the more we get into this experience, it will make sense even how this idea came to me in the first place, <laughs> because this work and this this experience that we're doing together is a natural byproduct for me of living a healthy lifestyle and you'll understand what i mean by the end of the week so today i want to talk to you about motivation and joy and we're going to draw names at the end of that and once i draw the names i'll be reaching out to people to schedule these conversations if i draw your name and i reach out to you and you're like, I don't want to do that for whatever reason. Uh, of course, there's no, there's no, there's nothing making you do it. I will draw another name. But hopefully, I would encourage you to be open to this experience and let it change, let it in, let it change your life. Um, because because I know it will. So let's talk about this new paradigm of health. If we're not going to be focused on treating disease, and if we're not going to be focused on preventing disease, what the heck are we focused on? We're going to be focused on continuously increasing the quality of your life. How does that definition feel to you in your body? Instead of treating symptoms, instead of managing PCOS, of course that's a part of it. But instead of just focusing on that, can we shift to instead focus on how can I make my life feel better for me every single day? That's what it means to improve the quality of life. So this is health as increasing the quality of life. There needs to be a clear connection between your desires and your actions. You need to feel like this can be effortless. It can be as effortless as I don't know, waking up in the morning and brushing your teeth. Like, it should be as effortless as that when we design it with precision. This new way of thinking about health to me is so freaking obvious, right? I'm sure even when I'm saying it out loud, maybe it sounds obvious to you too. Like, of course I'd want my life to feel amazing. Of course I want to continuously strive to be a better version of myself. Of course, I want to commit to evolution and growth. Of course, health is a priority to me. Of course, of course, of course. But it gets challenging, right? When our society is not used to this model. I mean, when we go to the doctor, unfortunately, in, in you know, typical Western medicine, it's a 20-minute visit and it's very much about treating symptoms and treating disease and prevent treating symptoms and preventing disease or managing diseases that you already have. It's not a conversation around how do you feel in your life? How do we make your life better? That's the conversation we're having during this masterclass. So effective lifestyle change is going to depend on your personal life journey, and it's also gonna depend on the quality of your motivation. So the purpose of the motivation and joy mapping session is to systematically walk through what actually motivates you, what makes you happy, what are the things you enjoy, and how do we infuse more of that into your life in meaningful ways so that we're achieving the health outcomes that you want while also creating a momentum and a fulfillment that feels really freaking good. Health should not feel bad. <laughs> if health is feeling bad, if the diet's feeling bad, then it's not healthy at all. It's somebody else's version of health 
that was designed on a broad scale to address many, many people and did not even consider the subjective experience of the human. So this is about moving you, moving people towards a spectrum of higher quality living and not just keeping ourselves stuck in mediocrity. I'm going to ask you a very vulnerable question right now. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being shitty, <laughs> 5 being mediocre, and 10 being exceptional, how does your life feel to you right now? I spent most of my life feeling living in kind of the mediocre area. And honestly, I think this is normal. It's, it is normal. Because if to get to exceptional, it does require some personal growth and, un, and, and maturity and understanding who you are. And that process takes different amounts of time for different people. I don't think I really was, was capable of entering the exceptional range until I entered my 30s, until I became a parent, until I had went through a global pandemic and had a spiritual awakening, until those things happened to me. I wasn't going to be capable of tapping into those higher levels and there's no rush. Trust your own timeline. This isn't a judgment thing. This is a, let me just start to assess how my life is feeling. If I were to die, if I were told I was going to die tomorrow, would I be, would I be cool with what's going on right now? And then, the idea is not to live like you're going to die. The idea is to find out, oh, I'm actually not going to die. I thought I was going to die, and now I'm not going to die, so what am I going to do? That is the question I ask myself at the beginning of every single day. All right, if today were the last day, what are you going to do? How are you going to spend it? How are you going to feel? How do you want other people to feel? This sounds intense, but is it? So many of us lost people during the pandemic, myself included. And we miss them. But those experiences, I think for a lot of us, brought us back to what actually matters. And this is why I feel like called and comfortable to have this type of conversation, this higher level conversation with you now, because we've all gone through the same shit. Nobody's been immune from immune to this, right? And so these experiences, they can terrify us, they can bring us down, they can make us sad, or they can elevate us. They can inspire us, they can empower us, they can allow us to change the world. So what is your motivation for being healthy? Just easy, breezy, intuitive, what comes up, drop it in the chat. What is your motivation for being healthy? Okay, some people said five, five, six. Thank you guys for sharing those numbers, I appreciate it. And you're starting the first step of lifestyle design, which is just assessing how things are going. My motivation for health has shifted and evolved and transformed throughout my life. When I was a kid, my motivation for health was, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm a weird kid, but when I was a kid, I, I had, I, I, I recognized how different foods made me feel. So my first experience with health and nutrition was just eating in ways that made me feel good. I lived a lot of my life with undiagnosed celiac disease. I had migraine headaches multiple times a week and I would come home from school and like lay on the couch and it wasn't fun. But intuitively my body started to make connections with food that don't even really make sense. I used to like really not like pasta and marinara. I thought it was marinara sauce I didn't like when I was a kid, but I think it was pasta because I think when I would eat a big bowl of pasta as an undiagnosed celiac, and if you're not sure what celiac is, it's 
it's an autoimmune disease where you, your body can't have gluten or it sets off a, a cascade of different reactions within you. So intuitively as a kid, I, I, I knew that I didn't like pasta and I stayed away from it. It's just weird. And then I knew that when I would eat red meat, it didn't make me feel good. And so I would stay away from it. So my relationship with health as a kid was like, how do I eat in a way that makes me feel good? Which honestly is probably one of the best relationships to have, right? But then in high school and through kind of the 90s, um, what's her name? Paris Hilton and Nicole, what's her last name? Somebody drop it in the chat. You know, that era of anorexia, anorexia being promoted as health on the cover of magazines. I remember you'd be like waiting in, in line at the supermarket with your mom and there'd be like Us Weekly and I can't remember all the different titles, but it would, it would be celebrities and they, they'd have like, here's Nicole, was it Kid? No, not Kidman. Here's Nicole and, and here's Paris and, oh, and here's Lindsay Lohan and here's Mary-Kate Olsen and then it would have their weights underneath them. So you'd wait in line at the grocery store and see these, you know, celebrities and models that weighed 98 pounds, 113 pounds. And you, you started to internalize that and think that that was beauty, that was health, that was normal. So in high school, my definition of health evolved into thinness. To be healthy is to be thin. Um, I remember reading articles about, um, oh, here's what Mary Kate Olsen eats in a day, right? And it was like, half a sushi roll. <laughs> and an apple and you're like okay well um okay uh you know those were things we grew up with as being very very normal if you're if you're around my age and then into college my definition of health evolved again when i was diagnosed with celiac disease and my definition of health turned into healing healing my body with layers of still thinness which was very confusing. It was a very confusing time. So I'm adopting to a gluten-free diet. I'm trying to heal my body. Still have the voices saying thinness, thinness, thinness. Very confusing. Then into kind of like graduate school, I think I kind of broke up with health for a while. Um, I didn't care that much. I smoked cigarettes and drink more alcohol than I should have and this is all you know normal developmental stuff but it was not healthy wasn't in the best relationships wasn't prioritizing myself not a lot of self-love going on was in an abusive relationship never said that during a master class before I didn't talk nicely to myself so other people didn't then once again, my relationship with health evolved and I, I can't really explain it. You know, every time you kind of shift through one of these evolutions, it's almost, it's, it can be kind of unexplainable, but then it shifted. And like literally one day I just woke up and I'm like, I'm, I, I don't want this anymore. Which by the way, I was still, I was in graduate school getting amazing grades, but that doesn't mean that you're, you're living a life of health, right? And so I woke up and I just was like, eh, I don't want this anymore. Collected all of my boyfriend's belongings from around my apartment, put them in a box, put them in my car, um, drove to his house, dumped them all on the lawn, and said goodbye. Moved out of that apartment, moved in with my mom for a while, decided I would start, I, I would get a real job, got a real job as a dietitian joined match.com, didn't go on any dates for three months, decided, okay, well, my membership is coming to a close. Maybe I'll go on one date. Went on one date. That was my husband. Wasn't looking for marriage, right? Like clearly, but because of one day getting a, an intuition that it was time for me to, to evolve and trusting that and following it, the entire trajectory of my life changed, right? Like we all have these moments, the butterfly effect moments, a small ripple in time that changes everything. When I had my children, especially my first daughter, my definition of health once again changed. For the first time, I loved my body. I loved who I was. I was proud of myself in many different ways. 
I gained self-confidence through being a mom. And I gained just this power that I didn't know was within me at all. So I walked away from a job I hated that paid really, really well. Just walked away. Got a part-time job just to kind of pay the bills a little bit. But decided I was going to stay home with her for a while. I worked in the I worked at night at night. Stayed home with her during the day. It was a lot of work, right? It's like one and a half jobs. <laughs> My mom's in the room, no. And then March 2020, the pandemic really happened. All of a sudden, we were forced to stay at home. Um, we were doing virtual story times and cocktail hours with our friends and baking banana bread and looking at each other like it was scary but in some ways it was incredibly grounding and one day I went for a walk and I came back and I was not the same I'm not a religious person but this was a kind of a spiritual transformation it just was and I just came back with kind of a, an energy in me that I was allowed to follow my dream and that that was my next evolution of health and my next evolution of me and so I started sharing myself I started dropping the walls and allowing myself to be seen created a, an Instagram account right started taking on a few clients I was ecstatic within a few months I paid off tons and tons of debt that I had accumulated, you know, through student loans and living outside my means, if I'm being honest. And then I was able to quit my job and do the thing, like do the dream that I had kept in me for years, right? This is the type of evolution that like health can do for us. Like health can be that grounding force that permeates just the layers of our soul and allows us to really live out our dreams in and claim that for ourselves and not say that you know we're so afraid of disappointment that we're not going to act at all it's like acknowledging that you're strong enough to handle it if it does disappoint you or if you disappoint yourself so are there places where maybe you are playing it small because you're afraid of disappointing yourself. Or maybe you've, maybe even in health, maybe you're afraid that you're not gonna be able to do it and so you stop yourself from trying before you begin. So when we can effectively design actions in our lifestyle that move our health towards a higher quality of life, that's where we get this ripple impact that's where it becomes more about the food that we're putting in our bodies and the exercise that we're doing and the walks that we're taking. It becomes about commitment to ourselves. It becomes about radical self-love. As corny as that sounds, that's, that's what it becomes. If you need further proof of this, <laughs> let me know how you're feeling about this conversation so far. If you need further proof of this, 80% of people forget their New Year's resolutions by February. In January, everybody's joining the gym. We're gung-ho. We're doing the meal plans. Like, we have the personal apps. We have, we have the technology. We have technology out the ass, right? Like, we have all of the things now. Wellness is not a secret anymore. We know smoking's bad for us. Like, we know, we know, we know. We know sitting's bad for us. We know fast food's bad for us. We have the alternatives. It's not about the resources, right? Like we have all of the resources. So then what is it about? You have motivation. If you're setting New Year's resolutions, you have motivation. You have the resources, you have the tools, you got my fitness pal. So, so what is it about? It's about the internal desire. It's about getting specific with why you're doing it. And it's about believing that you can have it and that you're worthy of having it. And this is complicated. 
It's very complicated. And I think you'll see that in the personal conversations that we're going to have this week. So what is motivation? What is this word motivation? Honestly, I never really even resonated very heavily with the word motivation, but it's relevant here. Motivation in the definition sense, motivation reflects a user's enthusiasm and willingness to take action and guide behavior. So it's a willingness and it's an enthusiasm to take action and guide behavior. Lots of people have motivation. Like, do you, do you consider yourself a motivated person? I'd say yes. <laughs> if you're here, especially if you're on live, you're motivated. You're motivated. But there's different types of motivation. So you've probably heard this before. Maybe you haven't. Let me know. We have intrinsic motivation. We have extrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is what we think we need. Extrinsic motivation is seeing something outside of ourselves that is giving us some type of a feedback loop that, that it's working. So this could be weight loss. This could be like reversing acne. This could be like somebody complimenting you on your appearance. This could be like fitting into your skinny jeans, right? Or whatever the jeans are now, there's the dad jeans. This could be like having your cholesterol go down. It could be like reversing your prediabetes. It's something outside of yourself that is motivating you. The problem with extrinsic motivation is there's a cap to it, right? There's only so much weight you're gonna lose. There's only so much acne you can reverse. There's only so many compliments you can get until people stop complimenting you on your transformation. So extrinsic motivation is not the vibe. <laughs> so what is intrinsic motivation? Intrinsic motivation is about the journey. It's about getting satisfaction from just doing things to begin, like just doing the things. So intrinsic motivation in the definition sense is the human intrinsic motivation is the human propensity to learn, absorb, and inherently enjoy a process regardless of the external rewards and pressures. So when I say this, like just in basically just enjoying the process of what you're doing, are there things in your life that that come up? Is there something that you do that you enjoy regardless of the outcome that you get or regardless of whether it's productive or not? I'm thinking of my daughter right now because she is falling madly in love with coloring. Let me tell you, she started pre-K this year and ever since she colors for at least two hours a day. She's obsessed. She's got like 500 markers coloring book after coloring book. She has different techniques. She like wants you to color next to her and then she'll grade your coloring with like a check mark or, hey, you need to improve that, mom. There's not really an external motivation for doing that. Maybe there is, maybe she's getting some type of a feedback loop at school that she's a good colorer, but I doubt it. <laughs> no, <laughs> that didn't come out right. But I think really the thing is, is she loves the process. She loves the process. It's not even about the colors to her. She will color up one paper with one color because it's about the, the experience of coloring. It brings her a lot of calm. This was actually a strategy that we've been employing lately to help her manage anxiety. It helps me manage my anxiety. It's really peaceful, it's really relaxing. Are there things like that in your life that you do just for the sake of doing them? Like when you exercise, are you doing it because you love it? Or is there a part of you that's exercising because you want your arms to look a certain way? Or you want to feel, you want to look a certain way in your swimsuit? This is really interesting, right? It's kind of like looking at why we do the things we do. So with intrinsic motivation, it's about you enjoy the journey. You have a mission. You like the things that you're, you, you just like it. Like, like in the context of health, this would be like, you like cooking the food. You like making the meals you're making. You like doing the exercise that you're doing. You like 
designing your sleep routine to support you because you like feeling energized. You, you like it, you like it, you like it, you enjoy it. Regardless of whether the scale is moving or somebody else is, is giving you a pat on the back, you love it for you. Have you felt this way in a health journey before? Richie, thank you guys. <laughs> Everyone's like, Nicole Richie. Yes, that is right. Um, I'm just reading some comments. Veronica, I want to be able to be healthy and feel that I respect and honor my body. I love that. I also plan on having children as a short-time goal, and I know I need to have a better health and relationship with my body to be able to do it. Ooh, that's so good. I love that. Um, Sheridan, hello. I want to have the energy like I used to to feel good and spend my extra time doing fun hobbies. Right now, I'm too tired to do any hobbies. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Cool. Thank you guys for sharing. So intrinsically motivated people, from an evidence perspective, they have a considerable advantage. They're more likely to sustain the behaviors because they're just doing it for themselves. They're just doing it because of personal excellence. They're just doing it all for them. So now you can start to see the layers here, right? The layers of like self-love and the layers of like feeling worthy and the layers of like how do I clear the space in my life to have time to do these, to do the things that bring me joy? There's a lot to unpack. So when we develop intrinsic motivation, it helps us create focus. It helps us have more consistency. It helps us decrease stress and decrease distractions because we're not constantly looking for the next best thing. We're just staying our course, we're staying in our lane, we're, we're pushing forward, we're consistent because we love it and it brings us that much joy. So when we combine these two motivations though, we can also get something super magical. So when we combine intrinsic and extrinsic, it might look like this. So say somebody enjoys running. I've enjoyed running at various points in my life. Say you enjoy running. You are going to be have an easier time being consistent with running than you are with cycling because you love it. So you can make that a consistent part of your life. Now to supercharge it, maybe there are points in your life where you got a lot going on. It's stressful. You recognize that. You know you love running. You know you want to keep running. You're most likely going to keep running, but you need a boost. So then you supercharge it with extrinsic motivation. Maybe you sign up for a half marathon or a 5K. And then you're working towards something. You're working towards an outcome. You're working towards other people seeing what you're doing, but you're still doing the thing that you love. So this doesn't have to be so black and white. Like maybe you have a weight loss goal, but you also know that you want this to be sustainable and that you want to love, you want to like it. So maybe you're able to actually have a successful weight loss experience because you're enjoying the journey. You're enjoying all of the things that you're doing. It's bringing you a lot of peace or clarity or energy, but you're also getting that extrinsic motivation by seeing the scale go down or by fitting into your clothes or by having uh, by seeing improvements in metabolic health. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. This is part of what we do in Momentum, which is my weight loss program coming up in October. So, okay, you're sitting here, you're like, I get it. Intrinsic motivation is more powerful than extrinsic motivation. This lands for me, this makes sense for me, but it's still hard. Why is it still hard? It's still a little challenging. It's going to feel challenging. It's different to be healthy. It's different to be healthy in an unhealthy world. Because anytime we're doing something that goes against the crowd, it can feel a little scary and it can feel a little isolating. We fear losing love. So I'm going to give you an example or story. Over the weekend when I was uh, traveling to Maryland, I was visiting my family and uh, my brother and sister-in-law had their bridal shower on Saturday. 
So we can't, we show up at the bridal shower. It was really nice. You know, we had some beautiful food and we, we celebrated and we had a mimosa and we chatted and I caught up with some people that I hadn't seen in a while. We opened presents. It had been three hours. I was ready to go. Most people were ready to go, but herd mentality can click in, in these situations. And lots of people had been drinking quite a bit more than I would expect at a bridal shower. And some people didn't want to leave. Okay. So my sister-in-law said to me like, Oh, I'm having so much fun. We're playing cornhole. Do you really have to go? And I'm like, well, honestly, I'm getting a little hungry. We had brunch like four hours ago, but also it's, it's three o'clock. I'm ready to move on to the next part of my day. I had other people that I wanted to visit. I had other things that I wanted to do. I had other priorities that make me happy. So no, I don't want to drink here all day. I, I don't really enjoy binge drinking. That's not for me. That's not my lifestyle. So, but you can see like the tension it, and it didn't create tension, honestly, but you could see how this could be challenging. Like maybe you've been in a situation with like, like this where you're like, oh my God, I'm not asserting myself. I'm not doing the thing I actually want to do. I'm just following the crowd because everybody's drinking. And so maybe I'll drink too. Well, everybody that stayed there literally drinking all day long, I don't even know how they did it, was hungover, miserable the next day. Um, we didn't get to spend time with, uh, with some of those family members because they were hungover. And me and my mother and my grandmother left and spent time together and had a beautiful dinner out together and got to visit my grandfather and got to go shopping, got to do all these things that we wanted to do. This is why it's hard. <laughs> this is why it's hard because there's going to be some calibration in relationships, most likely. There's going to be moments where you're the one doing the thing that the crowd isn't doing. Absolutely, there's going to be because of the world that we live in and the way that, you know, health is conceptualized and lived out. So I always say to be healthy in an unhealthy world requires a bit of radical rebellion. It requires you carving your own path and being a leader and hoping that the people that you love follow, but maybe they won't. And maybe you'll find new people. This is where it gets challenging. Because we have to ask ourselves, like, do we want to say stay stuck for other people? Like, do we want to stay stuck to make other people feel comfortable? Or do we want to do the thing that we want to do and trust that if they're meant to, they're meant to come along, they're meant to come along. And if they're not, we'll be okay. We'll find love. We'll find connection. We will. So I want to also talk about today, we've talked about motivation. I want to also talk about joy. <laughs> Pleasure and joy matter so much in the health journey. And we have two types of joy. We have hedonic pleasure and we have eudaimonic pleasure. Hedonic pleasure is the type of pleasure that feels good in the moment but fades. This is the pleasure we get when we're eating something really yummy. Like an apple cider donut. Mm. <laughs> like a good cup of coffee. Mm. Like a glass of wine. It's great in the moment, but it fades. What is eud I'm not going to, I'm probably butchering this word. What is eudaimonic pleasure? It's meaning. It's a joy that comes when you tap into a moment that you have curated for yourself that is absolutely perfect for you. And other people might not even know that this moment brings you so much joy, but you don't care because it brings you so much joy and it's a lasting kind of joy. It's meaningful. This is self-realization. This is like really learning yourself and knowing yourself. And this is where well-being evolves. This is where well-being becomes about being fully engaged. And it becomes about being fully functioning and about being fully you. So I think one of the reasons why it's challenging sometimes to implement and be consistent is because we can get a little sidetracked by hedonic pleasure. 
So like if I would have decided, and, and, and I don't decide this in the moment, right? Because been there, done that. But if I would have decided in the moment, ooh, it's fun being out here. Maybe I will stay here for another five hours and drink a bottle of wine. I would have been choosing the hedonic pleasure and not the eudaimonic pleasure. I would have been choosing in the moment pleasure feels good to me in the moment, immediate reward, but not the kind of lasting pleasure that I can carry with me for the rest of my life. The kind of lasting pleasure that comes from having beautiful conversations with your 85 year old grandmother, because you don't know how many more conversations you'll have. The kind of pleasure that comes from spending time with people you love. The kind of pleasure that comes from true and true enjoyment of the moment. This is where we start to tap into durable happiness. Durable happiness is what we're after when it comes to lifestyle design. We want to design our lives in a way that can allow us to feel really good most of the time. Obviously we're humans, there's ups and downs. Life is basically 50% bad and 50% good all of the time, and we know that, right? We all have things we go through. But when we tap into durable happiness, even when you're going through rocky times, it doesn't feel that bad because you're not taking it on. You're experiencing it. You're allowing yourself to feel the emotion that you need to feel without compounding that emotion and spiraling because you're very grounded. But you're able to have this kind of energy of playing, playing the long game. And that is a that is very, that creates a very sustainable way of being. So the greatest life satisfaction in the research comes from the combination of the pursuit of meaning beyond oneself, finding a flow state and partaking. Go sit down, go sit down, go sit down, sit down. Sorry, it's my dog. <laughs> finding a flow state and partaking in life's pleasures. That's what we know the happiest people in the world tap into. Does anybody know what flow state is or is this something that shows up for you in your life? I live my life most of the time in a perpetual flow state. This is why like I can get an idea for a masterclass like this without I don't really know how to without really like trying to get it. Like it just comes to me because I'm living in a way that's like really aligned in terms of like bringing me joy and motivation and durable happiness. Flow is just this beautiful feeling of effortlessly kind of floating between all of the domains of life that bring us joy and pleasure and, and comfort and safety and meaning and fulfillment. It's like you're so fulfilled that nothing's going to stop. Nothing's going to break you from, from living the life that you know you're meant to live. So when we're driven by intrinsic motivation, we can find ourselves in a flow state very, very easily. And this is a very genuinely satisfying experience. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the flow state on Friday and how this can look in terms of like health and living out these different behaviors that comprise the healthy lifestyle. So that is what I wanted to talk to you about today and share with you today to launch this experience. I, my biggest hope for you, my biggest desire for you in this experience is that you start to just think about health a little bit differently. And that maybe you leave this experience with a total new evolution, even within you for how you want to show up for yourself in your life and how you really want to embody health kind of moving beyond the surface and, and getting way, way deeper with what this really means and looks like. So 
we are now at the point in the master class where I will be drawing three names. Oh crap. I just realized it was 1220. I do this all the time. Damn it. <laughs> running late for something else. If you guys are on this call, don't be mad at me. I'll be there in a second. I'm running late for a VIP coaching call. So I'm going to draw these three names. Somebody said I've had flow in writing. Absolutely. That's a great example. I'm going to draw these three names out loud and then I'm going to reach out to you guys after this talk. If you happen to be on live, which would be crazy, um, let me know. But let's do it. And the times for these sessions are not set in stone because I'm going to have to work with that other person's schedule as well. So I'll let you know as soon as I know. I'm going to mix them up. We'll see who has manifested the private coaching lifestyle design session. Okay. Our first person, oh my gosh, I know this person. Our first person is Sarah Shoup. Sarah, are you on the call right now? This is very exciting because I know you. I'm very excited. I will reach out to you. All right, our second person is Aaron Fernald. Aaron, are you on the call by any chance? And our third person is Maria Katri. Maria Katri. All right. So those are the three winners of the private coaching lifestyle design sessions. And again, I will reach out to you all privately and we will set those up and I will then inform the masterclass how you will be observing those sessions. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited. This is, a, let this be a launch point. Let this be a new beginning. Be open to this experience. Let it change your life and it will. And I will see you guys very soon. Bye.